0: welcome welcome everybody to episode 133 of uh of TldR podcast today is February 27th um so happy birthday to someone very special to me that would be my dog it is his fourth birthday today yeah so, um, you know it's a uh, it's a big birthday for him um and that and that's always exciting even though they have no idea what's going on um, <laughs> uh we are we are here in the midst of the NHL uh, trade deadline. Uh, all these, all these sports, at least the, 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 the main two sports in the winter are, are, are at it, you know, as they push for the playoffs, um, with, with me, uh, I got Alex. He's going to be talking about the basketball as, as per usual, Alex, how are you doing? Are you feeling good about the Lakers making it maybe?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Um, I was a lot more confident until about 30 minutes ago, um, when, (laughs) News just broke that LeBron uh, is will be out for an, an indefinite amount of time, potentially wow. with a foot injury he just suffered. So you know, right as things were going well for the Lake show, it all falls apart. All good. Uh, <laughs> such
0: is the case for the Lakers as of the last couple of years, unfortunately, um, or fortunately, depending on what, depending on who you are, I guess. <laughs> but sorry to hear that, Lakers fans. Um, I hope that you know, I hope that you guys can scrunch, uh, you know, scrap something together uh james will be talking to us about some interesting life advice that we would give our younger selves james
2: how are you doing bud Uh, i'm tired actually you know last week i was like all pumped because i had four days off and i was like yeah four day weekend it was awesome this weekend i had one day off so that was cool my playoff my basketball team went to playoffs went to ventura in the rain took the l there so their season is over um but I did get to get some Pliny the Younger on Sunday, which is nice. Yeah. It's Some board games, so that was always a good time. It was well worth a two-hour wait to get some of that beer. It was delicious. It
0: really was. Um, you know, uh, that that particular beer, I, apparently, I didn't know that I was going to to a very special event at this uh, at this brunch. We were just you just you just brought me, and uh, I'm glad you did. It was a it's you know I know it's a unique and rare beer um that they that they bring to their to their customers every year and uh it was it was cool to be part of that. Tyler is going to be kicking off the MLB preseason previews. Uh Tyler, how's baseball with you know with LMU right now and uh how are you feeling about baseball season? I know that we're starting some spring training stuff so I'm sure you're jacked.
3: Yeah, really exciting. Uh spring training games are in full swing and we'll kind of get to that a little bit later. Um is doing pretty well. Uh we just came back from a trip f- uh from from Oklahoma State out there in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which I've never been to. Uh it's quite different than California. Um but it was an awesome trip. Um really uh Oklahoma State great hosts. Um you know, if if they go far in the college world series, I think I think I'm going to be rooting for them because they were because they were awesome. Uh we did end up getting one win there, which was huge for us. Uh they're number 15 in the country right now, so Getting a win against a team like that is a pretty big deal. And then the other, the an, an, another game we only we only lost by a run, so it was a really good close game. Another game we don't need, we don't need to talk about. But uh, two out of three really good games for us. I think that's a huge confidence boost for our team. Um, and we're gonna play UCLA tomorrow, and then we got a weekend series against Riverside. So um, yeah, we're, we're 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 doing pretty well. Off to a pretty good start. Back to back conference pitchers of the week for us. So cool. doing 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 pretty
0: good. That that's, that's very great to hear. Glad, glad everything's going well. In some cases, obviously you can't, you can't win them all, but you know, it is what it is. Um, You know, I, I am hosting this week. I would be talking anything about that. uh, Would be talking about the trade deadline that is among us right now, but I wanted to wait until everything, everything happened. Although I probably could have talked to this week because everything happened on the weekend and nothing's going to happen this week. So we're going to, we're going to get right into it actually with some basketball talk. Uh, Alex, uh, take
1: it away, bud. Yeah. Thank you. Um, little funky week post all-star weekend. Um, so the topics are a little, little strange, but, um, I feel like we got to shout out James Harden for something. I know we are not the biggest James Harden fans on this podcast. Um, but so, um, John, Howe, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I don't know. Um, if you guys don't know who he is, um, he was paralyzed in the shooting that happened um on the msu campus a while back apparently he's a huge james hart james harden guy and james called him or facetimed him um gifted him with like game or sneak game worn sneakers and wore a headband uh during a, a recent game to just kind of honor him um and i feel like we give james harden a lot of crap for doing james harden things but that was pretty cool so i'm gonna give him his props um props for that um so moving on to the normal things Uh, let's see I can tie this into James Harden strip clubs Atlanta done nailed it okay so (laughs) the Atlanta Hawks uh, fired Nate McMillan uh, earlier this week Uh, he only lasted technically over three seasons uh, with Atlanta Um, realistically it's like a season and like two full seasons between the two Uh, most notably he took over in the 2022-2021 season and led the Hawks uh, to the Eastern Conference Finals, which I feel like was all a shock. We were kind of, um, you know, I guess we thought maybe that was sort of their up and coming moment. It has not happened. Um, they currently sit 31 and 30. They're the eighth seed in the East. And they immediately hired within five days and signed into a five year contract. Um, Dan Schneider, who used to be the, uh, is that not, was that his front, first name, James? It's Quinn Snyder. Quinn yeah. Snyder. Who's Dan Snyder? I think he's, he's the That's owner the, of the Washington. Quinn Snyder. I, yeah. yeah. I, I mix them up. We uh, nice. signed him to a five-year, uh, five-year deal. Um, he Quinn was the um, Utah jazz head coach for the last six years, six playoff uh, appearances of them. Unfortunately never got past the second round. Uh, James, we'll kind of start with you thoughts on the firing. What do you think, you know, Quinn can possibly do, um, you know, to help the Hawks move up in the standings?
2: Um, I I mean, the firing sucks. Like, Nate McMillan as a coach, I really liked. I liked him when he was with Portland. I thought he spoke to his players well. I thought he was very respectful. But he didn't do anything game-breaking and didn't make adjustments whenever things went wrong. Bring in Quinn Snyder. I like him a lot as a coach. And I'm sure everybody in, in the NBA community feels the exact same way. Like, whenever he left Utah uh, a couple years back, People were actually upset, and he just resigned. Like he was like, "All right, I can't do this anymore. Like, they're not hearing me. I can't get past this this first or second round of the playoffs. I can't remember. I can't get past this." Um, But he just resigned, and people were upset. Most notably, Donovan Mitchell. He was pissed. He was like, "Why is he leaving me? That sucks." Quinn is very good and is known for building strong relationships with his players but also being able to push them to the limit and get the best out of them. And right before Nate McMillan got fired, there was a pretty well-known falling out between him and Treyon. Young. And when your star franchise player doesn't get along with your head coach, one of them has got to go. And in this case, it was Nate McMillan. He was the more expandable one. Much like we talked last week about um, the Calgary Flames, who's going to go, I think it's going to have to be Sutter. And in this case, in the NBA, it's the same thing. It had to be the coach. When you bring in Quinn Snyder, he knows what to do with guards. You saw with Donovan Mitchell. Uh, He knows what to do with big men. You saw Rudy, Rudy Gobert. And in Atlanta, you have two very talented guards in DeJounte Murray, Trey Young, and then one very talented big man who has been underperforming as of late, as of his entire career. Let's be real. Clint Capella has so much potential, but he hasn't reached it yet. And I think that Quinn Snyder can get the best out of him defensively, as well as using his guards well. So I like this move overall. As much as it sucks that Nate McMillan got fired, I think that Quinn Snyder can really help this team and make them push past the playing round.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's sort of, you know, definitely Atlanta's goal is to end up as a top six seed, um, you know, trade in, do you think this, you know, firing slash hiring and how quickly it happened? Um, you know, they obviously, if it seems like they got Atlanta, got their guy. Do you think this will help just like James mentioned, you know, he's a, he's a player's coach. Do you think this will help, you know, uh, kind of push Atlanta into that top six?
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I I think I think it's it sounds like there's some there there may be some issues in the within the chemistry or maybe the the attitude within the among the players in Atlanta and uh, you know that all stems from a lot of the issues that you guys kind of mentioned and I think that clearly clearly Atlanta got their guy they 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 it, you know signing him long term clearly they had an agenda so and then this is the agenda uh, I think that. You know, I think it's going to be up to Snyder to you know focus on you know, riding the ship with with Trey Young in that in that relationship, and I think that'll be his first you know plan of attack. He has a young team here. He 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 has you know proven success um you know with the Jazz I believe and and in Missouri uh, as as a college coach as well, um so he he's dealt with with that with that younger generation for quite a while, and they're and you know those you know both of those in some cases were uh were, were winning franchises that he rebuilt so. Um, you know, he has a track record and he's going to be able to do it again with it, with a young, with a young group that, you know, quite frankly, in the East, it seems like there's, you know, your juggernauts and then there's the, the wannabes. And I think that, you know, being in that position is good for a group that's trying to, to, to come together. And, um, and, and I think that he, you know, he definitely will stabilize a lot of the issues that they're facing and uh you know we should see them in that top six i don't know i mean it looks like they can easily make that well, not easily but they could make the top six before the play-in but i think that they they'll probably end up in the play-in and they'll have to play their way out and uh and i and i think that they'll be able to do that um you know i he, he just needs some time to kind of settle in and um but you know this team's good this team's in a situation and know in a position that they can that they can do it it's just going to take a little bit of time but I think it's a great hire and clearly they had the agenda they had an agenda and I think it's gonna pay off.
1: Yeah. Um it it was pretty much reported that this was this was their dude. Um, you know, they had their interim head coach, uh coach for the next last two games. Um and yeah, like I mentioned, within five days, it was kind of the first person they called. Uh, so Tyler, kind of same question, thoughts on Snyder and the Hawks um and you, yeah like you know trey young is signed for the next four four years with a fifth year player option so he's going to be there um deontay murray we'll have to see he's signed out he's got one more year after this one so um you know what do, what do you think snyder can do with atlanta you know it's kind of a team we don't really talk about all that often because they have been just mid for the last two years
3: yeah, I think it was a move they had to make. I think the Hawks are kind of stuck in this crossroads where they want to be one of those upper upper echelon teams in the East, but they just haven't really quite gotten there yet. And I think that kind of starts with leadership. And I, the, the guys have mentioned how there's been some chemistry issues in, in that locker room and, you know, uh, Quinn seems to have a really good reputation of building really good team chemistry. He did it in Utah and he kind of, he kind of that, that, you know, Utah was never, you know, a place where a ton of like star players went, it was kind of a small market team. Atlanta's a very similar, you know, place like that. And I think that he can do pretty good things. I think here in, in, in Atlanta, seems like all the players trailing Young, Young included, which is your star loves the guy. That's a huge first step. Um, so I think it's going to be a successful run. I think it's really, I think the rest of the season here for the Hawks is huge in terms of where they're going to go in the future, because if it gets worse, then it, 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 it might turn really bad for them in, um, in, 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 the off season. But, but if, but if, uh, but if, if Quinn Snyder can, can come in and kind of maybe, maybe get them into the top six by, by, by season's end, we'll, and and win a playoff series that's gonna be huge for them and i think that they're gonna draw maybe some um free agents maybe you know make some moves to kind of push them into a place where they want to be which is definitely a a a higher contending team in the eastern conference and that's no small feat they're still you know they got a lot of moves to make but i think hiring i think this was a good hire and and i think that this is step one to get to where they want to be
1: yeah i mean obviously we saw the success in utah with a flawed roster. I think, you know, that's, that would be a good way to put it. Um, and obviously yeah, the disconnect between Rudy and spider Mitchell didn't it never really worked. And now we see Rudy's not really working in Minnesota either. So who knows? Um, yeah. so Atlanta currently sits three and a half back. Um, they'd have to jump the heat and potentially the Knicks or the nets. However, those two teams come about, um, yeah, and I think with, you know, obviously they signed him long term and I think Tyler you're right that they're they will try to kind of use his I don't I don't know, like overall just player development and player relationships to to bring bigger stars to Atlanta cuz you would think that, you know, Atlanta is a a big market. They should be able to bring bigger stars there, but it doesn't like, you know, the Lakers and the like the LA teams, the New York teams, Chicago, like those teams sort of it always feels like they're connected to these, and I don't know why Atlanta's a huge city. Like you would think, a lot of people would, you know, they'd want to go there. But well, we will just have to see um, what happens with uh, the Atlanta Hawks moving forward. Um, someone else that won't be moving forward—he pretty much has not played a game. Thank you, James, uh, for for like over a year now. Uh, is Tyler's favorite player Lonzo Ball? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he has what doctors are calling, uh, some something in his knee that they've never seen before. Uh, he was hurt at the end of last year and was diagnosed with a torn meniscus, you know, had surgery was given the normal timetable, uh, over the off season. They went in and performed another surgery, hasn't played all season. And now, yeah, we're getting these funky reports about his knee, you know, obviously, People are freaking out if it's like a career ending thing. You know, I don't know if people are imagining Brandon Roy again or somebody like that, but um, Tyler, we're just going to, we're going to go right back to you um, as a Lakers fan. Obviously, Lonzo started in LA, but like, what do you, th- like, what can we expect from Lonzo? Um, also, you know, as an athletic trainer, like whatever is going on with his knee, just, yeah, Lonzo, what's happening?
3: Yeah. It, it's never a good thing when, you know, especially I'm sure team doctors for professional sports teams have been at it and they're, you know, they're at the top of their game and they see an injury and they say they've never seen it before. That's, that's a, that's a pretty significant remark. Um, I have gotten a couple of those in my career as a third trainer from doctors and you're like, Oh God, that's, it's never, that's never something you want to hear. Um, so obviously without knowing the details of what's going on, you know, obviously a, 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 a knee for a basketball player, can be very tricky because they're obviously using, they're putting a ton of stress on that knee. They're, they're, they're you know, you have, have, have to stop, pivot, jump. It's a lot of stress on the knee. And sometimes if a surgery doesn't heal the way it's supposed to, or, or just progress the way it's supposed to, it can cause a lot of issues. And I think that's kind of where he's at. Um, with that, again, with that, with, with, without knowing the specifics, it's hard to really tell exactly what's going on. But, you know, an, a knee for a basketball player is definitely, you know, an area of concern if it's not progressing the way that you normally would see it. Um, so hopefully they can be able to figure out I I think to me what kind of what I've seen is you know I think they were trying to you know get him back to play at this at some point this season and the progression was not going so I think for for his sake for him to just kind of focus on 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 his rehab and his strength just like it just to rule out the rest of the season we're not going to worry about it we're not we're not going to put pressure on that let's just focus on getting that knees as healthy as we can figure that out first and hopefully by next season we'll see him back playing basketball and that's really the best you can hope for. I know he's got the, you know, the 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 best medical care there for him um in Chicago. So, uh, I'm I'm sure he can figure it out, you know. He's he's still relatively young and I think he can definitely uh make a comeback, but you know, yeah, certainly a couple red flags there it being a knee and it, you know doctors saying they've never seen it before. Um but hope but hopefully things work out for him
1: yeah i mean being uh being that young and now you know multiple injuries like this and yeah hearing the oh we've never seen an, a knee injury like this before is strange especially in basketball players that obviously have knee injuries literally all the time uh so yeah trade and what are your thoughts on hearing um you know somebody say a doctor saying we've never seen an injury like this before i First of all, I'm the, probably the least qualified to
0: even make a statement regarding this, just <laughs> from my layman's um, opinion and, and thought. I, it is this is bad news, I would think. I, again, we don't know, but you know, I I know for someone that knows absolutely nothing, hearing that that uh, uh, you know, <laughs> hearing that a professional or a group of professionals have have seen something, or I guess have never seen something before. I mean that that just is a you know there's there's no you know precedent on how to how to you know either rehab it or fix it or whatever like there's no there's no precedent so he's kind of the well I hate to say it but he's the the guinea pig behind this whole whatever this is and that and that is uh you know that that, that that's scary to think about from a, from the human perspective not let alone the basketball perspective I mean I, I think that at this point his, um, you know, basketball comes second in this whole, you know, we just hope, we just hope the best for him, you know, for him so that he can actually live a normal life with a, with a, you know, with, with the discomfort or, or hopefully he can get over that. I mean, that that's, that's what I think about right now, because if it's not, I mean, at, at the end of the day, it looks like he's gone through two surgeries and they still haven't figured out what the, what the problem is. And to me, it's like, you know, you just, you just think about the human side and you just think about, can he get back to a normal life with, with limited to no pain and and be able to, you know, walk easily or maybe even jog or run to an extent. But, you know, I, you know, for me, basketball comes second here.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, it it kind of helps that he's already made a fair amount of money Um, and it's, you know, makes life a lot easier when oh, you yeah. don't have to worry about that sort of thing. But yeah, hopefully it, it's not, yeah, something that's so long lasting that it, you know, is debilitating further down. But uh, James, kind of same question, just thoughts on on Lonzo, and he, again, hearing the the phrase, you know, doctors have never seen something like this before.
2: I have an issue with that statement.
1: Okay, uh, the doctors have
2: never seen like this something like this before, because they probably have seen something like this before, but they don't have an answer or plan for it. Because to be honest, what it is is meniscus tear. He had two surgeries, right? His first one was a debridement. Second one was a couple of weeks later or like a year later because there was still pain, more debridement. So what you're doing essentially is just cutting away a meniscus to the point where there, there's not much meniscus left. And so then you're like, oh, man, why is he having pain after we shaved his meniscus twice? I don't know. And it's like, yeah, you do. You just don't. You You messed up as a surgeon because you did too much. There's not much shock absorption left there. And so what they actually need to do is look at his kinematics. Like, I'm going to be a nerd here. I'm going to tell you all straight, like, anatomy-wise. You got to look at how the body is moving. Because to be real, you change the way his body moves after initial in- injury, and it's now compensated for that movement pattern. If you fix that movement pattern, you fix the injury. It's quite simple. It's literally, like, going up the chain and down the chain, finding his where his hip flexion is at, where his ankle flexion is at, where his big toe flexion is at. If you can bring those back to normal ranges of motion that accommodate that new frictionless standpoint with lack of menisci, you're looking better. But you have to be able to look at big toe, first and foremost, because that will increase your ankle dorsiflexion, which then puts your knee in the right spot, which will decrease hip mobility in, in a way, but will help your knee with less pressure. Because that's essentially what, it, what a meniscus is. It reduces pressure on the tibia. out a meniscus, you have knee pain you shaved off too much meniscus that's what you guys did figure out a way to make it so that he has less knee pain without a meniscus by changing the way his body moves that's what it's looking like but they're not have they're having a very hard time figuring that out and at this point in time they're going to have to do a microfracture surgery which is aka what greg oden did and he didn't play a game like that's what you're looking at right now because he has no meniscus and is going to have arthritis by next year figure out a way to fix this otherwise he's not going to play like he used to anymore going to be like a like you mentioned brandon roy or a derrick rose kind of fall from grace and it's it's kind of sad
1: yeah so just to uh recap for everyone that doesn't speak anatomy and what james just said his knee not there no more it don't work Um, (laughs) oh is that uh, what he said (laughs) yeah pretty much they go cut cut it's not there things hurt still he can't move we're done Um, (laughs) uh yeah there it's just like a missing a full year with multiple knee surgeries like this just doesn't seem to bode well um you know all jokes aside so hopefully they figure something else out um because yeah it would be a real bummer for him to just kind of be done um you know obviously a lot of talent high draft picks so We will just have to see. Uh, Last topic, and I'm going to kind of throw a curveball at you guys um, because a new report also just potentially came out about this. Um, But earlier last week, uh, the Kings and the Clippers uh, played a game that was a final score of 176 to 175. Uh, First question, the Kings now sit in third place in the Western Conference. Are they a legitimate threat? And then second question literally just came out earlier today, that Adam Silver is reportedly interested in implementing a target score for overtime games because players play too much and blah, 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 blah. Oh and I think the quote actually had a wise God. name in it, which just makes everything worse. So, in, we're going to start with you also because you just had the best reaction. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, if the NBA implements some sort of overtime target score thoughts on that and then also just the, your your Sacramento Kings I'm, I'm I'm trying to calm down I'm trying I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to let the steam
0: out there's a, a lot of pressure that you uh that you that you brought in here Alex uh holy shit, are we serious we're talking about an uh, about a uh, about a league that that pretty much created the idea of load management and now you're and now you're really instilling it in a in a game situation where overtime doesn't happen i mean it, i mean it, it happens probably more often than than most sports but it, it's not like it's they're, they're they're typically that long they're just you know they they're usually want you know what was it 12 minutes of of extra time i I don't know five, it five minutes oh fuck i mean f- yeah. five fucking minutes uh and, and so a target score would essentially make it i guess kind of like not quite a sudden death situation but is i guess it would be like first to like 16, yeah. I don't know like, what
1: it would be like fir- first to 10 or something. I mean, I,
0: I always thought it was, I, I always, th- I always joke around and said, Oh, a sudden death would be h- hilarious in the NBA. It just wouldn't work though in basketball because it's just, that's, it's not the game. So um, I, I don't quite understand why we need to continue to, to cater to these athletes when we want to see them play. We want to see them, we want to see them do their craft. Um, we're already half the time. We're already, um, you know, robbed of, of seeing some of the best players play on on a nightly basis so there's already that problem um and and i and i think that that's just I, and i understand that you know your your players are your assets and and having them as healthy as possible for a postseason is probably the most important thing i you know you've you've kind of bastardized this whole thing by making way too many playoff teams if you make if you include the play-in tournament you've already you've already you know had all these issues you 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 short. i think you just shorten the amount of uh preseason games you don't need to have that many preseason games you you and get into get into the regular season you know after after training camp you don't need to you don't need to make it more complex than it already is it just doesn't make sense to to do that in my opinion as for the sacramento kings the sacramento kings are incredible offensively but and and thank god you're in you're part of the nda it's not the nba anymore it's the nda the no defense association that is the most ridiculous score I've ever heard. It, I, I can't even, I can't even imagine like, I, it, like they're literally, that's worse than the, uh, the all-star game that we just saw. What a, a week ago, like, like horrible. Um, the, look, the Sacramento Kings are a team that, you know, I, I think what bodes well for them is the fact that the West is so open. The The West is so to me, could be won by anyone i don't know who I, who I like in the west at times it's it's you know it, it might be the nuggets it might be you know um you know and in some other times it might be the grizzlies but and then you have the sacramento kings that that find a way to, to outscore their issues clearly they did in in, in 170 whatever to whatever i mean the, the problem is is in the in the postseason i you know you, you'd think that you know, you won't be able to outscore your problems. Although it, it seems like games are getting even more offensive than ever. It's harder to defend. It, gets, it just gets harder and harder based on these rules that they're instilling. So, I mean, can a team that's that's ranked 25th out of 30 in in defense, you know, in terms of points per game, uh, you know, do something in the postseason? I don't know. But at the end of the day, the Sacramento Kings for the first time since I can even remember following basketball at all, are playing meaningful games in the middle of February or in the late February. And and now going into March, these are meaningful games for them. Usually they're not in this situation. And you know, that alone is, it, it, it means something. And, and like I said, the West is wide open. I don't know who I really love besides maybe the nuggets, but at the end of the day, we don't know what could happen on a, uh, in any, in any series, especially, uh, especially a team that's shooting hot um, and, you know, and, and putting up points and that's just what Sacramento has been doing for, all season. I mean, number one in, in points per game. So um, I, do I think they're contenders? Probably not. But I do think that I, I don't think that it's it's out of the realm of, you know, sneaky possibility that they can make a run because of because of how wide open the West is.
1: Yeah, I mean, again, we've talked about it a bajillion times. And yeah, the West, the West is completely wide open. Um, but I mean, if you trade and just like you said, I think if if we had talked about the Kings. Or when we talked about the Kings, you know, in our preseason kind of overview of things, if it was February 27th, you know, and they have played roughly, you know, three fourths of their games and they were sitting in the third seed, you know, three up on the on the Suns, three and a half up on the Clippers, four up on the Mavs and only a game and a half behind the Grizzlies. Like we all would have been like, no, that there's no way that that's true. But you're right. They'll they will have to just shoot and outscore everybody. But there's also no reason why they can't continue doing that. Uh, I mean, they've kind of proved it all year. But uh, James, same same question. Um, Kings legitimate and now this new overtime thing that I just you know kind of jumped on you guys about a little bit. I agree with trading on the overtime thing. I think it's stupid.
2: Um, that's that's honestly like. It's like the all-star game in the fourth quarter. It's like they try to get a 24 points first. And, okay, cool. And so now that opens the door for the rest of basketball to be like, okay, how about we just make it the first team that scores 100 wins the game. Forget overtime. Forget all this. We've already instilled this overtime rule. And so let's just take it one step further because that's in the realm of possibility and be like, all right, cool. The target score is 100. No more quarters. First team that makes 100 points will win the game. That's stupid. That's what you're opening the door to by instilling this rule. It's a slippery slope. Once one thing gets through that disturbs the true nature of basketball or any sport, really, more changes will continue. And I honestly, leave it the way it is. These athletes get paid $30 million a year, and you telling me they can't play three nights a week for 30 minutes. Nah, nah, bro. Mm-mm. That's dumb. I agree with Charles Barkley for the first time ever. That <laughs> load management thing is stupid. You're getting paid to Play. Play come on bro do your job um me saying that as i'm sitting here on my couch like come on um, <laughs> hey you do your job every day. I, I do do my job my job sucks but i do it um <laughs> in terms of the kings the kings are a very well coached team and a very complete team i'm happy to see that mike brown is finally getting shot at getting a good team instead of being just screwed over by the lakers and being an assistant for the warriors for years on years uh I've watched a couple Kings games because I've been on them (laughs) like the degenerate I am, but I've seen the Kings and Mike Brown call a timeout 30 seconds into the game because of a missed defensive rotation. That's how well this team is like that. The potential of this team is so high because they're so well coached because of small things like that. Keegan Murray is a rookie. Uh, One game, he missed a defensive rotation and they scored a three timeout 30 seconds into the game to fix that mistake. It's constant tinkering constant adjustments that makes this team. That good. And on the in terms of the complete team, they have a great mix of people. They have an automatic bucket in De'Aaron Fox. They got a big man presence who can score, who can have a triple double on a nightly basis in Sabonis. They got the six man in Malik Monk, who had 45 points against the Clippers. Okay, bro. Go off. That's cool. And then some young talent in Keegan Murray, and they got a spot up shooter in Kevin Herter. Like they are complete all the way through. I don't th- honestly, I don't think you can name a team like that right now you have bits and pieces like the nuggets have the triple double you and the clippers you have um some automatic buckets but you don't got a six man like there's there's teams out there that are good but the most complete team as weird as it is to say is the kings but the one thing that's kind of making me not think they're a contender is the fact that they play down to their competition the one stat that i found that is super weird is that they're twenty three and eight against teams over five hundred, but they're twelve and seventeen against teams below five hundred. They have a losing record to shit teams. Don't play down your competition. If you can fix that, this team is riding away,
1: bro. They're going. Well, if they get into the playoffs, they'll probably be playing teams above five hundred, so maybe it'll all work out for them. But uh, Ty, same question. Uh, Kings legitimate in this new overtime fiasco? I think we've already sort of decided.
3: Yeah, in terms in terms of the the Sacramento Kings, you know, I, I do think that the, that they are a legitimate team in the Western Conference. I think, you know, you look at the standings right now. I think the Nuggets are kind of clearing the way the the top seed, but you know, I don't know if they're really going to be the best team going into the playoffs. There's a lot of teams coming in with I I think some some fire and some I I think the Phoenix Suns, as we talked about, you know, I was going to say the Lakers, but obviously they've had some injury issues the last couple of weeks, so who knows where where, where they're going to be, but prior to those injury issues they were looking like a more complete uh a more a more complete team um the Clippers are looking pretty solid as, as 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 well right now so there's a lot of teams that kind of have gotten off to have some kind of iffy iffy starts that going into this uh playoff run I think can really make a run and I think the Kings are just as well uh situated for that as, as as any team in the Western Conference so I like this Kings team I think James you know kind of nailed it he kind of, he he named off um all those guys like they're just—they're a complete team. I, I think having a good five-man starting rotation and, and having that—that that absolute, you know, dog off the bench, which they have, in um, in 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 Malik Monk, is a key to winning a NBA championship. So I think they have that. Um, I think that they're going to be really excited to watch um, in the uh, playoffs. And you know, it's great for Kings fans, man. You know, I think they've—it's—it's—it's it's, it's been a long time coming for them. They've been really shitty for a long time. So um, hoping that you know they—they they give uh, some some fans something to cheer about. Um, and in terms of the overtime rules, I agree. It's just, it's the NBA has this really weird, you know, culture of, you know, you know, uh, of, uh, load management and not, not playing a, 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 a full game when, you know, I understand, you know, basketball by, you know, by no means is not a stroll in the park. You know, it's a, it's a very physical, very demanding sport. Um, but I think in terms of most sports and 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 combined, it's like you're not playing as much time, you know, I, th- I think that they can they really need to, you know, be able to to play better um or play more. Um, so I think having this target rule, it's just it makes me laugh. It's just silly, you know, i I, I just think that just, just, just play the game. You know what I mean? Like I said, you, you you've been playing money, you, you, you're paid money to play. So play the game, whether it, 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 it lasts the four quarters or it goes to, to four overtimes. It's like, it's almost like this attitude of, Oh, we have to play overtime versus, Oh, we get to play overtime, you know, kind of deal. It's just, it just seems like a, it just seems like a league of bad attitudes to me. And I think for me, that's one of the issues that kind of draws me away from the NBA. You know, it's just, there, there seems to be this underlying, just kind of, diva ish attitude to a lot of players and a lot of teams. And that's just an issue for me personally. Like I want to see guys that just love to go out there and play no matter what the score is no matter no matter what the situation is. And you want to see that, you know, and you, you want to see your players play. You don't want to see them sitting because they're sore. Like that's just how it goes. So um, yeah, it's an issue. And I hope that they don't do it. I hope Adam silver
1: draws a line at some point. And I think this is one of those places that he needs to do that. I mean, I would be surprised if it actually happened um, because it's just more if they do that, there's, it's most likely less time, less, you know, less TV timeouts, less ad revenue, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, we have we as fans, I think, forget sometimes that, you know, the NBA, the NHL, you know, all these things, they're a business um, and they're going to do whatever they need to do to make the game more profitable um, yeah, the, the like load management thing, I feel like is another off season topic that we can discuss because it can, it could be an entire basketball segment on just load management and how that's sort of become prevalent really since Kawhi, um, has sort of, he, I feel like was kind of the poster child for it. So, uh, and then going to the Kings. Yeah. I, I think they're a legitimate contender, especially just with the West, um, being pretty open, they can go out and get buckets whenever they sort of feel like it. Um and yeah, I mean they haven't been in the playoffs in 20 years. So whenever they whenever they get it all figured out, it will be it'll be rocking up there in Sacramento. Um I think that's it. Uh Dame scored 71, but it was against the Rockets, so that doesn't really count. And yeah, trading. I'm all done, buddy. <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, so I
0: guess the I guess the one question I have really quick, Alex is is there a game that recently happened that went to like a trillion overtimes that I'm missing or like what spurred this?
1: The, I mean, it was that Clippers Kings game from two nights ago or last. Oh, night. Oh, okay. The okay. 175, 176. <laughs> yeah. I see. I, I literally thought that all
0: happened in four quarters. That's why I was <laughs> <Almost> like, <laughs> no, so, so we, we care because, because one game went really long, like, wow. Okay. But I uh,
1: was in that game, so that's why it matters. Oh,
0: I understand now. Played 46 I I that whole
1: minutes of basketball. Oh shit, I didn't even. I didn't even... Entire. You should have
0: told me. You should have started with, the with that whole
1: game. Almost the whole game. Almost the guys, whole game.
0: You guys are assholes. You should have started with.
1: to sit the next three out. I don't actually know if that's true. But... <laughs> no,
0: it, it's probably true. That's yeah. the that's the sad thing. Uh, no, uh clearly we we have our own opinions about. uh about that but yeah. uh, so please just don't don't bastardize it even more Radam silver it's, it's 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 already bad enough um thank you very much alex that was uh, that was a good discussion when we come back james is going to take us through some life advice that we would give our younger self when we come back And welcome back, everybody. I'm gonna jump the gun and say it to give advice to myself before this podcast, get better at intros. Um so uh, that that would that would be that would be my advice for myself um is get better at intros. James, take it
2: away. Yeah, we're talking life advice. Trading is getting better at intros. Let's flip that around there. Perspective is everything. Um <laughs> typically, you know, we talk about sports on this podcast. I mean i The description of this podcast is that we do the research and trash talk for you for sports and pop culture. But we're going to change it up because we haven't done a let's talk about life episode in about two years Mm -hmm. because I got busy. (laughs) We're still going to talk about life, but we're going to talk about it in this sense, in the sense of what would you tell your younger self? And this isn't this segment isn't for younger people, isn't just for them. Um, It's because life, even if you're older, you can always learn. Life is a never ending school pretty much. It happens all the time. And because we're grown and we're like almost 30, we know best. Just <laughs> Alex, I'm going to start with you, man. Cause you were the one that was married first. So therefore knowledge, what <laughs> advice would you tell your younger self?
1: Yeah. I think first things first, uh, don't become friends with Tyler. So then you don't have to do this podcast. Uh, <laughs> great no. Great idea. Um, <laughs> no, weirdly enough, it, mine is college related. Um, I, so I went into college undeclared. I had no idea what I wanted to do. When I got there, um, eventually picked business as a um, like as my major don't I mean, kind of work in that now, you know, originally my life plan was, you know, to to get into sports and to do sports marketing. And I did that for a little bit. It's really tough. You don't make a lot of money unless you get very lucky and get to be, you know, one of the select few people to kind of do something like this. So I think my life advice that I've told myself earlier is, you know, don't get too fixated on like one life goal. You know, life is many roads. There's different turns to it. You just never know what may happen. And that's kind of what happened for me. Like I kind of, I moved on on the sports thing, got into the beer world, did that for a long time, still get free beer all the time. So like, I don't know, you guys should consider getting in the beer world. (laughs) and don't do that at all. Like now I work in like tech stuff. Um, and it's great. And now like generally, you know, my, uh, like at home work-life balance is way better than it's ever been in the last year. So, um, I think that that's, that would be my advice myself is don't get too, you know, too stuck on, you know, one, one life goal. It's not a straight line. There are curves to it. There are turns. Wow. That was beautiful. Alex is a man of many talents
2: and is an expert in many things because he left that door open. And also, beer is a big plus. Huge <laughs> on that. Tyler, what is your advice to your younger self?
3: Yeah, this was, uh, I thought about this one a lot. Um, it's a really good question. I think, you know, looking back on your younger self and all the mistakes you make, I think it's really easy to be like, ah, oh, you sucked and all, oh, whatever. But I think kind of what Alex mentioned too is, you know, life throws you a lot of curveballs. And I think, you know, I think you surviving those those challenges, I think, leads you to who you are. Um, so it, and it's hard to really say, like, you know, if you had certain knowledge at a certain time, if you would have made different decisions, I, I, I think we can all say that, you know, for going, going through those, those those trials and tribulations had made you who you are. And I think you wouldn't have changed that for anything. At least, at least um, that that's what what I would say. But I think looking back on it, if there's one consistent thing that I would like to have done better earlier in life, is just ask more questions in general. I think I've always been a curious person, but never really um, expressed that too much. And I think it took me a long time to figure out a lot of things if I just ask questions more and been, and been more open to my arrogance in a sense. I think that, um, you know, it was hard for me. I don't know if it's just like, you know, the society's pressure or whatever it is, but I had this weird, and I still kind of do have this weird like, like tendency to not admit that I don't know something it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird trigger for me um which is ridiculous because it's impossible to for anyone to know everything um so I think I always usually used to assume things and that would cause me to make big mistakes and then I would learn from those mistakes obviously but I think asking more questions and being open about the things I don't know as at, at, a, at a younger age would have helped me a lot um so I think for me that would be the biggest thing is being open about what you don't know, ask questions, ask people who do know the answers, whether that be, you know, parents, teachers, coaches, friends, whoever, you know, seek more advice, seek and and, and just ask more questions. Try to try to be more understanding or seek understanding of things that are complicated if you don't know it. And it's, a, it's totally okay. Like it's, it's because the more you, the, the older you get, the more you don't know, that's it's, it's, it's more embarrassing. So I think when you're young, you know, no one knows anything.
2: So I think just being more open about that and asking more questions. Okay, Ted Lasso, go off. Well done. Yeah. Ted Lasso, be curious, not judgmental. And Tyler nailed that perfectly. Traden, what is your advice to yourself other than get better at intros?
0: Um,
2: <laughs> well, that's a big one.
0: Um, the other big <laughs> the other funny one that I want to talk about is um just you should have gave up being an Oilers fan. You know, that oh, that, okay. that would have saved you a lot of time, a lot of heart headache. I definitely heartache. heard only fans <laughs> and, and I was that too that too. <laughs> don't, don't go down that rabbit hole no <laughs> no. Uh, no for me um it's kind of it, there's kind of two uh for me one one professional one is and i guess you could you can um you know you could bring it out to the social side of things too but um is have an opinion but don't be afraid to be wrong and that is, you know, to, to me that, that I, I think that that is, I, I would, I would, that's advice I'd give to anybody across our whole society right now is it's okay to be wrong and it's okay to have an opinion, um, but be, but maintain an open mind to learn, you know, another, another person's point of view and another, per, you know, and, and, you know, whether it's the truth or whether it's whatever, um, uh, be open-minded to, to, to bettering yourself and, and, and bettering your understanding of, you know, whatever it may be, but don't be, but, don't but be confident, but also don't be afraid to be wrong. That's, that's the, that's the, that's the biggest one. Um, because being wrong is, is just a, is just another way. is just another learning experience. Um, the other one more, more, um, you know, uh, personal would be <sighs> make sure you value yourself and don't lose yourself. Um, and you know, it, 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 I'm not going to get into it too deep because it's just not that time or day right now. But um, you know, know know your self worth and and know what and 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 don't lose yourself. You know, pursuing something or or in this case someone, uh, because you 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 lose a lot of what is in front of you. And at the end of the day, we may not wake up tomorrow. And um, and if you don't and if you hadn't, you know. And and to and to to kind of you know let go or or rather ignore the things that are in front of you to pursue something else um, you know that that may that may put you in a in, in a bad at in a bad mood or 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 or, or uh, it, I guess towards a path that you lose a p- a bit of yourself um, you know that, that's a lost opportunity. And that's, and that's not, that's not all life's about. So uh, I would, that, that's
2: the advice I would give my, my younger self. Wow. That was a lot to uncover there with trading. So just so you know, if I ever pick up, let's talk about life again, Traden's going to be my first guest. We can unpack that a oh, little um, bit more. It's okay. We're good. <laughs> that was, it was honestly really good though. Um, stay true to yourself, be you and make sure you take in all that life has to offer. I love that. I have three things that I would tell myself, not just one. Um, They'll be pretty short though. But my very first one is that realize that your perspective on everything determines the reality that you see. Like I could be something could happen to me and somebody else. The exact same thing could happen, and the way we see that scenario will determine what happens next and how we react to that scenario. So, like, I if something bad happens to me, I can take a step back, or I could be pissed, or I could realize that hey, maybe this is another opportunity for me to learn something and come at it at a different direction. Like I mentioned in this intro, when Traden was like, yeah, my mine is to get better at intros. I said perspective is everything. And he is getting better at intros. And his intro is actually really good. I know I get that was a funny thing, but perspective is everything. Uh, the, the other thing I would tell myself is that realize that my future is a combination of all the choices that I make right now. So if I want to be better at something else, I should make the choice to do something today that makes me better at that said thing. And it's very much common sense, but it's something that we don't necessarily think about on a day-to-day basis. We just kind of go about our lives, not really living in the present. We're thinking about the future. We're thinking about the past. We're not thinking, looking at what's right in front of us. We're, our mind is always somewhere else when we're living our day-to-day life, and we have to be more conscious about that. But if I wanted to, let's say, like, make more money and i find a side gig, well, maybe I should spend time today trying to figure out how to do that side gig. Instead of just wishing that it happens to me. You can make a choice to be who you want to be. Just take the steps you need to achieve it. And last but not least, this one ties into Alex's quite a bit. But it's say yes to more and be okay with failing because it will always teach you something. Leave your doors open. Don't close them out of spite. Don't close them out of anger. Don't close them out of anything, really. Just keep your doors open. Say yes to more. Because honestly, everything will teach you something. Failure will teach you something. There's always something to learn every single thing that you do. Listen to this podcast. You're learning some stuff right now, going outside and going for a run. You gassed out after a mile. You realize, oh man, I need to get better at running because I get gassed out a mile. Like everything will teach you something. Don't be afraid and say yes. And I hope you guys learned something today. And I hope that you take it into account. And I hope this was helpful to you. And that's the end of my life segment. James, that was that was really fantastic.
0: That whole um, that whole uh, you know, segment was really was really good and really powerful in my in in my opinion. Um, I don't know uh, what what your first one was, James. Is it really kind of brought up a a a concept of a book that I'm reading called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People? You probably have read it. Um, that paradigm shift that he kind of opens up with, James, that you kind of like just just reiterated what he holds what he said it's a fantastic book. It's a really great book. If you, uh, if you have a chance to read it Um, and um, you know, James is you, or you could just listen to James. He's like the spark notes of it. So there's always that (laughs) I still highly recommend reading it, but, uh, but but he's got it down Um, now. uh, You know, James, um, unfortunately, even though we should be living in the present, we are going to live in the future when we're talking about Tyler's uh, MLB (laughs) segment next uh, when we come back. My outros are great. So that's good. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, Tyler, baseball season is upon us. You know, you no longer have to wait. You don't know. We no longer have to hear you bitching about. Oh, I want to hear talk about baseball. No, it's here. And why don't you take us through the West?
3: Fuck yeah, it's here. Um, I'm really excited to start our MLB previews for the 2023 season. Spring training games have started. Um, hopefully you've been able to tune into some of those. I'll probably get bored of it in about a week, but for now, it's really nice to see some baseball. And I think the biggest thing with spring training games this year is the rule changes. And there's a lot of them. The most notable one that's made some headlines is the, is, is the new pitch clock. Um, I don't know if you guys saw that game between the uh, Red Sox and Braves the other day, but a game ended in a tie because of a batter's violation of not being in the box ready at eight seconds. Uh, It was bases were loaded. It was a two, two count. There were two outs. Uh, The batter did not step in the box and was not ready uh, to 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 uh to uh, take to take the pitch and the umpire dingdom and that ended the game. uh so obviously there's a lot of growing pains and, and that's why we have a full spring train to get used to to the new style. but games have been consistently about two and a half hours, which is you know almost 45 minutes to half an hour quicker than they were last season. So the pitch clock is working to make games quicker um so it is effective, albeit there is some controversy with it, a lot of people there's a lot of mixed reviews. So I just want to get your guys' opinion on on, on on the new pitch clock so far as we've seen it. Um, uh, James, let, let's, let's start with you. Have you seen kind of games so far yet in this new pitch clock? And do you like the new
2: pace and just kind of thoughts
3: on on everything kind of changing towards that direction?
2: I mean, I haven't watched an entire game of spring training because I never, ever do that, really. Uh, but I've seen highlights of it on Twitter, and it's, um, it's interesting, to say the least. But I think the most interesting part is people who played in AAA – and who have had this pitch clock come up to the MLB level in spring training right now. And they're saying that in AAA, they never had a violation whatsoever. They're like, oh yeah, it became natural. That's cool. But then all of a sudden when they're up here, they're saying it's faster. And it's the same same exact rule that they had in AAA. But for some reason they're saying that the clocks are a tad bit quicker. I'm I don't I'm not sure how much quicker. I don't know if you can really do that or if it's just perception as a whole, but People are struggling in the MLB level after not struggling in the AAA level. And that's odd to me.
3: Yeah, I think my uh, my hunch to that, I think it's just at the, at the big league level, I think there's this, this kind of, um, I don't know how to put this, like an atmosphere of, of kind of guys just knowing what, I think almost like a confidence and just like they kind of take their time because they know what they got going on. And I think that there's just, you know, kind of guys do what they want to do versus in, in the minor leagues, like you're grinding, you're trying to get to that level. So there's almost a sense of urgency already. And I think people are already kind of moving faster in the big leagues. Like, OK, like for most guys anyway, not everyone, but for a, a good majority of guys, it's like, all right, we're we're, we're here, we're, we're in the show, and we're just going to play the game. And there's not really a sense of urgency in terms of like trying to get to the next level because you're, you're at it. Um, so that would be my guess. I obviously like 15 seconds is 15 seconds no matter where you are. Um, but I would assume that would just be maybe the sense of urgency in the minor leagues. It might be a little bit higher. I don't know. It's, it's, just, it's just a yes. Uh, Alex, your thoughts on the pitch clock and how that's going to kind of change the game.
1: Yeah. Um, to go off the major league, minor league thing, um, as we just talked about, James, I, you know, through a different door in my life, uh, worked for both a major league team and a minor league team at the same time. And this was before the pitch clock thing was going on. The minor league games were easily 15 to 30 minutes shorter every time. So I don't know. Tyler, you may be right. Maybe it's an urgency thing. There's also less shit going on in between innings because there's less money in the minor league ones and there's no, you know, TV timeouts for most of them and all that stuff. So um, my first thought is uh Nomar Garcia Parra would be the worst hitter of all time with these new <laughs> rules because he would strike out on three pitches every time with his little things. Yeah, that's um, true. I think they'll figure it out. Uh, my, I, can't, I was talking about it with somebody else. and like, as a fan, if you're watching it on TV, it's probably great because the action is going, you know, obviously more quickly. Um, but as a fan, if you're at the game, like if you're paying prices for how crazy some of these tickets are now, like I personally, maybe not everyone would want this. I would like to be there longer than two and a half hours. Like if I'm going to drop the cash, and obviously get three beers or however many beers, uh, you know, you're paying $35 for a beer now or whatever, (laughs) (laughs) you know, I'd rather be there for three hours plus, but I can understand the, the trouble with it. Just like everything else, we'll get used to it. Um, I think the players will get used to it. There's, I kind of have a feeling there'll be some tinkering, you know, partway through maybe, you know, another five seconds get, gets added on. Um, I I don't know I it's I mean again it's been three days so <laughs> we'll we, we'll just have to see yeah
3: um I agree with you there Alex I think you know I think for some baseball fans that have been you know diehard fans for a long time I think the change is kind of like it's whatever like I think I I personally like baseball if it's two and a half hours over it's three and a half hours it doesn't really matter to me but I do I do appreciate it being a little bit faster paced. I think from especially watching it as like from as a fan's perspective, watching the pitchers get in there, get the sign and throw it. I kind of like that personally. Um, but yeah, for, in terms of the overall time frame, like two and a half hours, two and a half hours, that that for me personally does not matter. But um trade in, you know, kind of you you are kind of a a newer baseball fan, um, and kind of come into this, you know, in, in the last few years or so. So I'm interested in your perspective in terms of, you know, the, the games obviously, you know, historically have been a little bit longer, you know, with this new pitch clock it being shorter. What do you, what are your thoughts on 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 this on on the effectiveness of of, of the pitch clock and, and and games being shorter?
0: Yeah, uh, the two and a half hour you know target seems to be the target for most of the most of the major sports. I mean, I guess if you to an extent, even even the NFL, but um, obviously the games are kind of dictated by the by you know what plays are made and whatever. Um, but usually that two and a half hour, you know, is it, 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 kind of the the baseline for most of these sports. And if baseball is going to be starting to target that, I think I think to think that's better in general for for a lot of the a lot of younger fans who just don't have the attention span to 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 watch a, a three plus hour game. Um, and I mean that, that's an indictment of uh, on our minds at that point. But it, it is what it is. You know, it's it, we 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 like to see it a little bit quicker. And and to be honest with you, we sit here on February twenty seventh talking about this three days in I predict that mark that May 1st it's they're going to be they're going to be used to it I mean they'll they'll have what uh it won't be 50 games but it's going to be a good good amount of, of, of baseball games um that they that that might even be 50 games that they'll be uh that they'll have played I think after that 50 50 game mark every player is gonna gonna probably some of them are gonna get dinged some of them are gonna get hit with it pitchers and, and hitters alike um, but eventually you, you kind of work it out. And, and I think that the, the, the umpires are being, are, are have an agenda. They're, be, they're being told you guys are going to, to hit them exactly when that, when that time, uh, time hits, it's going to release a little bit. It's, it might be an extra like half second. Like if he's just getting ready, like it's, it's, it, it's going to release, but they're going to be strict within the first, you know, 50 to hundred games. And and you're and we're gonna we're not even gonna notice it after after that. So it's it's only a story because of, of that certain instance. That certain instance is going to happen again. It's going to happen again this week. It's probably going to happen uh, the first you know month of of the of the actual MLB um, regular season. Um, but after that 50th game, I think that everyone's going to be used to it. And and if you get dinged by it, I think it, I, I think then you you'll have known the rule and it's and and you'll have let your team down yeah. in some in some respect. Yeah, very true. I think
3: um, you know, guys can resist it or not, but you got to adapt or you die, uh, kind of deal. And I, th- I I think the the, the game will. Um, I think overall, I think it's a positive. I think, um, I think it's going to help the game grow, and I think it's going to get a lot. I I, I think it's going to help the game a lot. Um, so if you if if you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. See if you like it. If you like the faster pace or not. Um, but we got we got a lot of spring training for guys to get used to it. But let's get in to our 2023 season previews last year, I did East to West this year. I'm going to switch it up and go West to East. Um, and we're going to start off. So pretty simple format. Um, I assigned, um, everyone, um, a, a team for each division. Um, and we're going to basically ask, you know, what's one reason for hope and what's one reason for concern for the teams in the, for the, for the, for the 2023 season and at the end, we'll predict our final division standings together. So we're going to start in the ALS and we're going to start off with the, with the defending World Series champion the Houston Astros. Alex you uh got assigned this team. Uh as I as I mentioned 106 wins last year and they won the World Series. Um in the offseason, you know, they pretty much have, you know, pretty much the same season the the same team. They did lose Justin Verlander uh to the Mets and they but they did gain Jose Abreu the slugger from Chicago. So kind of looking at this roster currently assembled and going into this year as, 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 as the the defending champs, one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the Houston Astros.
1: Yeah. Reason for hope. Uh, You're really, 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 really fucking good. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You made what five ALCS trips out of the last seven years or whatever it is Uh, one and a half ish world series uh, wins uh, four World Series appearances. Um, you know, yeah, you lose Justin Verlander, who's 75 years old, um, and you get you have, and it's still an incredible pitching staff. And you pretty much trade. You know, you you lose Yuli uh, Gurriel and Trey Mancini, who are kind of your first baseman for now. Jose Abreu. Um, this team's legit. I don't see any reason why they shouldn't be. You know, considered a world series contender and if not favorite.
3: Yeah, I agree. It's, it's, it's hard to really see any weaknesses in this Houston national lineup. Um, they're they're going to be right there competing um, all season long. Unfortunately, I know we we're kind of sick and tired of talking how, how good they are, but you, you get, you got to give them props. Um, they're looking like they're going to make another good run in 2023. All right, moving on. Let's move on to the Los Angeles angels. James, you have the angels uh, for this preview. Uh, mm. last year 73 wins, good enough for third in the division, missed the pool season once again. Um, the offseason they lost Noah Syndergaard and Michael Lorenzen, so some starting pitching. They did add Tyler Anderson from the Dodgers, they also added some um lineup depth in Hunter Renfro, Brandon Drury, and Gio Urshela. So, what do you think of the Angels in this 2023 season? Obviously, everyone talks about how good they have you know the two best players in baseball in Otani and Trout. Um, do they have enough? to finally make the postseason this year. One, one, one reason
2: for hope, one, one reason for concern. James, what do you got? One reason for hope. Charlie, you mentioned it right then and there. The fact that they now have depth on their roster and more offensive firepower outside of one through three in the lineup. Last year, the ends were hit by injuries. A lot of injuries. Rendon, Chow, Walsh, Fletch, Taylor Ward all went down. When that happened, they had to rely on freaking Andrew Velazquez to be <laughs> out there and be their guy. Him and his career 0. 0.53 OPS. That's terrible. I'm not, I'm not, no. And now we got, like no. you said, Joe Urshela, you got Brandon Jury to be right there in the middle infield. Hunter Enfield, Brett Phillips, actual N- MLB players that can fill in and be a stopgap and hit. That's exciting. Reason for concern. Moreno didn't sell the team and he's still owning it. That is major concern <laughs> for me. I have yep. no idea how much he wants to win. Like he's kind of changing his ways. He's done interviews for the first time in twenty years. He's gone out of spring training for the first time in twenty years. That's cool. I need to see more though. So that's my main reason reason for concern.
3: I hear you. Um, that's it'll on. be interesting to see. I think past the Astros, you know, you kind of got this kind of three team race almost for that that kind of wild card position in the Angels, um, Mariners, and I think the Rangers are definitely going to be an improved team. So um, the, the Angels typically. Have disappointed and, and and not have kind of reached their full potential hopefully this year will be different um but we'll again you just have to play baseball and wait and see um so let's let's move on to a team that's probably not going to do a whole lot this year in the oakland athletics uh alex you have the uh a's as you as a former employer of, of that team that's mm-hmm. kind of why picture for this one yeah. uh 2022 60 wins one of their worst seasons that they've ever had missed the postseason obviously finished finished last in the division. Um, and the offseason, didn't do a whole lot either. They did lose their catcher, Sean Murphy. They did add a couple of veterans in Jesus Aguilar and Alimis, uh, Diaz. But other than that, you know, probably not a whole lot of reason for hope, but I'm going to challenge you in this one. What's one reason for hope for the A's and then one reason for concern.
1: Yeah. Um, I forgot to do my reason of concern for the Astros. So I'm going to add that in real quick. Uh, kind of like you mentioned the other three teams, not named the Oakland athletics are getting better. Uh, and, you know, I feel like the gap in between those those teams and the Astros is shrinking a little bit. So slight area concern. Astros fans, don't worry. You're still the best team in the division. A's <laughs> fans, positives. Your Kelly Green alternative jerseys are dope. <laughs> uh, negatives, you're pr- probably getting shipped to Vegas. Um, your owner's a joke. Your your uh, ballpark's a joke. You're going to be dead bad. I'm so sorry. But I guess a positive you're going to be bad. Higher draft pick maybe you get a Mike Trout or somebody out of a high drop pick. Good luck, Ace. Yeah,
3: there you go. I mean, I think
1: that's pretty much all
3: you can really hope for. It's going to be another dismal season, unfortunately, there in Oakland. And yeah, I think I think the team really is not going to really start kind of moving towards a competitive uh, roster until they kind of figure out their whole stadium and what's the other playing situation. So unfortunately in Oakland, it's, it's, it's not looking too bright. But uh, let's move on to a team that finally broke – their 21-year playoff drought in the Seattle Mariners last season. Trading, you have the Seattle Mariners, uh, as I mentioned, 90 wins last year. That was good for a wild card spot. They did win a playoff series too in the wild card run against the Blue Jays. Ended up losing to the Astros in the ALDS. In the off season, uh, they lost Jesse Winker, Mitch Haniger, and Kyle Lewis. So some 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 outfielders out there, but they did gain Tiascar Hernandez, Colton Juan, AJ Pollock, and Tommy Lastella. So a team that's definitely on the up and up. Uh, finally broke through last year uh, team is trying to take that next step forward. So one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the, for the Seattle Mariners. Uh, for,
0: for, for, for Seattle's hope, I think that it comes down to, you know, having the American league rookie of the year, uh, Julio Rodriguez, who's an, who was an absolute stud last year. And I think he's just going to continue to to be huge. Um, and, you know, from that, from that position uh, the Mariners are projected to have a 6.0 uh, war, from that position, which is absolutely massive. Um, and, and you win, you'll win a lot of games there. Um, his hitting was, was off the charts. And, and, um, and, and, and I think that that's going to be great. And they, and they gained some much needed experience cracking that uh, cr- cracking that playoff spot is enough to to really galvanize a team and, and you're moving in the right direction. Biggest weakness. I just don't know outside of the center position, it, their fielding might be an issue and their fielders might have an issue at the, at the plate. And I think if they may have an issue with the, with the hitting side of things, um and you know it seems like there's some players that just haven't been able to crack um you know crack the major leagues to the same level that they were hitting you know at, at the at the minor leagues and um uh, and and I think that that's the biggest problem is is do you have enough outside of your center position to to give you the offense you need um and, and I don't know if it's going to be enough I think that they're a playoff team I just don't know if if they're a uh, a contender Yeah, Jane,
3: I I agree. I I think the depth of that lineup is certainly a little bit of a concern, especially when you're competing against the Houston Astros. And you saw, you know, kind of the Astros kind of pretty much, you know, carved their way through that lineup last year. Um, They're they're, they're definitely going to have to prove in there, I think, for me to take the next step. But certainly a team that's going to be competitive. um, They're in the division and certainly will be hunting for a a playoff spot once again. Uh, Mm -hmm. Moving on to the final team of the AL West, we have the Texas Rangers. James, you got got the team out there in Texas. They made a lot of offseason moves. Last year they 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 won sixty eight wins that was good enough for fourth in the division obviously not 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 good enough to, to make the postseason but a team that's that's definitely poured a lot of money in the last couple of off seasons and this year they didn't really lose anyone of significance but they did gain Jacob Degrom Nathan Abaldi, and, and Andrew Heaney all starting pitchers so they kind of have added a, a pretty stellar starting rotation there to add to uh, a pretty decent lineup but you know obviously with the, with this division being as competitive as it is. What do you have for the Rangers? One reason for hope. One reason for concern for 2023.
2: One reason for hope is the overhaul of their rotation and Jacob deGrom. Last year, their rotations war was ranked 26th out of all teams. This year, this rotations war is projected to be fifth. Adding Nathan Evaldi, pretty good. Jacob deGrom, probably one of the best, if healthy, when healthy. And then Andrew Heaney, like the Dodgers knew Andrew Heaney could be good. If he's not injured, he eats up innings. That's great. Ivaldi, same thing. And DeGrom, one of the best pitchers in the league. That's what big reason for hope. Reason for concern, the health of said rotation. Because DeGrom gets injured a lot. So does Heaney, and so does Ivaldi. So, barring any setbacks, this rotation is phenomenal. But when the human part of it comes in and injuries happen, because these guys are now another year older, that's going to crumble and all the money you spent is going to go right down the drain. Oh,
0: yeah,
3: I agree. I think the Texas Rangers are, are our team. I'm most intrigued to see how their offseason moves are going to play out because obviously they, they made a lot of noise in this offseason. They, they really have a, a really good starting rotation, But, you know, is this team really that good? They, they 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 got a lot of good pieces, but can they put it all together and be competitive? um it'll be interesting to see I, I think they're they're a team for me they're like one of my top teams to watch in, in 2023 just i'm curious to really see how that they're gonna um, how they're gonna perform so um so let's wrap up the al west and let's go around the horn and predict your standings one through five um alex to will start with you uh
1: okay do you want to start at the bottom or the top however you want to do it. i don't care all right we'll start from the top because that's more fun yeah uh, uh houston will win the division no yeah crazy <laughs> uh, crazy um, <laughs> I will go Seattle next, Texas third. I think the Angels will have to trade Otani partway through, so they'll be fourth. And then my Oakland Athletics, unfortunately, will be finishing last. All right. James, what do you got? Strohs,
2: Mariners, Angels by a game. Rangers, <laughs> NAs.
0: <laughs> All right. So pretty much exactly how it looked last year. Traden what do you got? Uh, for me, obvious uh seattle mariners rangers angels athletics all right so you agree with
3: alex on that one i do yeah. um i'm actually gonna agree with james in those predictions i'm gonna go astros mariners angels rangers a's um again kind of boring i think exactly the way it played out last year i just feel like i mean obviously the astros it's it's no question they're they're the undisputed champs of that division that that middle part is pretty interesting uh but i just feel like the the, the mariners are there they have the talent um, and I, I mean, we'll see how the angels do. I'm going to give them a little bit of a benefit out. Rangers. Like I said, I'm not still so yet. They, I think they, they're going to have to prove themselves, but we'll see. them then obviously the A's that's uh, rough. though they're in Oakland, as we, as we mentioned. So let's move on to the national league West side of things. Uh, we're going to start off with the Arizona diamondbacks, uh, in 2022, they won 74 games, finished fourth in the division, missed the postseason um James you have this team in the offseason um they added they added some pieces and they got a lot of young talent coming up through their system should be an interesting team uh they did lose Dalton Varsho, but they did add Evan Longoria Zach Davies and Andrew Chafin uh what do you got on the on the on the D-backs team for
2: 2023 one reason for hope one reason for concern one reason for hope is the a of young talent that this team has there's a lot of young key guys who will be pretty damn good, in my opinion, in the next coming years. But you still got to develop them. Like Corbin Carroll, Gabriel Moreno, Jack Jake McCarthy, and Alec Thomas. Like, these guys all can hit the ball pretty good. Like, they're, they're good, solid pieces that they're going to be on that team for a long time. And especially Gabriel Moreno, who's going to be kind of switching off the backstop duties there. He's going to get some good time. What I'm hearing is that he's pretty good at what he does. And people really, really like him. And if you're a likable catcher and you form a really good relationship with your pitchers, that's a hell of a battery. Reason for concern. Pitching after Zach Gallen. Really, there's nobody else. Uh, Merrill Kelly has moments of being good, but mostly bad. And then like Zach Davies, Bumgarner, do they really have anything left at this point? I don't know. Probably not. They're pretty old. So after Zach Gallon, there's nobody else.
3: Yeah, I would agree. I think the lineup is as usual. I mean, I feel like the D-backs always have a pretty solid lineup. It's kind of the pitching that's usually always kind of the, they're basically like the angels of the National League for the most part. Uh, just it's a little bit questionable on that end, but definitely a lot of young talent that are coming up. I think the D-backs will be sneaky good this year. You know, definitely probably not going to be a playoff team, but I think they're going to, they're, they're, I think they're going to, they're going to surprise some people this season. Um, so moving on, let's move on to the Colorado Rockies uh trading you 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 have this team 2022 68 wins finished last in the division missed the postseason offseason they really didn't do anything of significance um this rockies team is kind of in it's kind of a tailspin they're not don't really seem to have a direction of where they're going they kind of just seem to exist in that division and not really much else but what, what's your reason for
0: hope if you have any and one reason for concern hope is you get the first overall pick in the 2023 draft that's the hope uh the biggest um not hope is you're gonna have the first pick in in the uh in the draft because you're that bad there's nothing there you're a team that is like you said hellspin look at this the catcher worst projection in the mlb first base worst projection in the mlb shortstop bottom 10 center bottom three right field worst uh designated hitter bottom three rotation worst projection in the bullpen bottom 10 you're fucked
3: <laughs> yeah uh that was great uh the, the the projections there uh I agree it's it's just not a good season but at in typical Rockies fashion they'll probably have a winning record in the month of in the month of April and then after that they're going to suck the, the rest of the way but I guarantee you I guarantee you they're going to be a top three team in the NL West after April's over just watch it it's gonna happen and then <laughs> the the always happens every, every, year. every year all right let's move on to the Los Angeles Dodgers Alex. Obviously, I gave you this team. This is this is our team. I got my Dodgers hat on today. So, Dodgers. Um, obviously, twenty twenty two, one hundred eleven wins, most in franchise history. Great, great regular season. Obviously, ended in disappointment um, with the NLDS loss to the uh, to our rival Padres. Off season, they lost a lot of guys. They lost Cody Bellinger, Trey Turner, Justin Turner, Andrew Heaney, and Tyler Anderson. Uh, a little bit of a quiet offseason in terms of additions. They did add uh, D.H. Uh, J.D. Martinez from the Red Sox. They uh, brought in uh, Noah Syndergaard and, and, and Miguel Rojas um, to their lineup. So what do you see for these 2023 Dodgers? Obviously, probably not the juggernaut of a lineup that we're kind of used to, but one reason for hope and one reason for concern for the Dodgers.
1: Yeah, uh, reason for hope. They're the, I mean, it's kind of like the Astros, like they're the Dodgers use that you see them get, you know, get guys like Noah Syndergaard and JD Martinez. And for some reason, you just expect they're going to be good because they're on the Dodgers. And if they were on the angels, you'd expect them to be terrible. I don't, I don't know how the Dodgers do it, but they, they seem to be the best at these like reclamation projects, um, You know, other, you know, other positive areas, you still have Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman and Julio Arias and Clayton Kershaw and one of the best, if not the best farm system in baseball, which gives them, you know, the opportunity to potentially make a trade if something, you know, happens down the line, Um, areas of concern, part of, you know, the Dodgers strengths during this last decade of dominance, Oh, that's a dope name, um, (laughs) is there... Their depth, Um, you know, we see we see guys come up from the minors or, you know, there's little flyer deals and then they end up, you know, playing really well. The depth does not seem to be there this year compared to previous years. Um, And similar to what we talked about with the Astros, I think the rest of the NL West has gotten stronger, maybe other than the Rockies. Um, And that, you know, they won the they won the West by 28 games or whatever it was last year. I think obviously that will shrink. Um, you know, as the strength of the the West, you know, kind of grows. Yeah. Um, you,
3: you speak to that depth, that that depth this year, and it's definitely a little, a little bit of a concern. Um, I don't know if you saw the news today, but it looks like Gavin Lux probably towards UCL today or his, sorry, his ACL today uh, running. So that's a, that's a big loss for us. Um, looks, so it looks like Miguel Rojas can get a starting shortstop. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I agree. I think it's, I, I think the gap is certainly thinned in that division um, it's not going to be at 111 win team, but the Dodgers are still a really good team. They're they're a top five team in the big leagues. A lot of power rankings have them, have them out of the top five. I think that's bullshit. Um, they're they're definitely not probably one, two right now, but they're still going to be competitive. They're definitely a playoff team. They're going to be fighting for a World, World Series. Again, not the juggernaut of a lineup that we're kind of used to, but still a very good competitive team. And I'm excited for what we're going to do this year. Moving on to the team that's probably the most likely to dethrone the Dodgers, and they did it last year, and they knocked them out, the San Diego Padres. Um, Alex, I, I gave you this team, um, just kind of you know our rivals from the south now. Um, last year, eight, um, eighty nine wins barely snuck in as, as a wild card, but you know they they had the last laugh, beat the Dodgers in, in the DS, ended up losing to the Phillies in the in, in the in the championship series. In the off season, you know, they just keep adding guys, but they did lose Josh Bell, Brandon Drury, and Sean Mania. But they did add their big shortstop Xander Bogarts. Uh, they did add Nelson Cruz, which I kind of forgot about until I did this preview. Uh, they also added uh, Michael Waka and Matt Carpenter, um, and, they, and they also shored up uh, Manny Machado for another eleven years. So this is a team that's been putting a lot of money. They've been and they've been, you know, kind of putting themselves up for success. So what do you feel like the Padres are going to do in 2023?
1: Yeah, positives. Um this is the best Padres team we've seen ever, probably. At least in our lifetimes. Um you know, they have their they have their four dudes. We don't know what Tatis will be. Um you know, even without the PED thing, like that's a front shoulder injury. We've talked about this before. That's tough to come back from. He has not played competitive baseball in over a year. Um much, but like I think it was huge for them to sign Machado to that deal because he was sort of the first link, the first step, the first whatever you want to call it, domino in the Padres revitalization. Um, So, yeah, I think that their lineup is scary. Um, Area of concern, I'm like looking at their projected rotation. You really like Joe Musgrove and you really like you, Darvish, assuming health. He's 36 or 37. They also just signed him to a huge deal to go to like age 42, which I don't understand. Um, we are, I feel like as a collective podcast, we we don't know how to feel about Blake Snell. He's either really good or really bad. And there's no in between. And then the next Michael Waka, Seth Lugo, Nick Martinez, like he, the bottom half of that rotation doesn't look great, but the bullpen looks good. Um, this Padres team is it is for sure a contender.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think you know, coming into this year, I've built off their the, the end of the year success. I mean, this team's got a lot of confidence, a lot of swagger. Uh, they're definitely going to put on a show in San Diego this year. So we'll see how that goes. I think we've been expecting a Dodgers Padres kind of battle for the division all season. Last year that wasn't even close. I think this year's going to be different. But we'll kind of see how, how how everything plays out. So uh, moving on to the final team of this division, the San Francisco Giants. Trading. Uh, your wife's favorite team uh, 2022 81 wins a perfect 500 after winning over hundred games the season before so they kind of fell back pretty hard uh obviously finished third in the division missed, missed the postseason uh in the offseason they lost carlos rodon and evan longoria they did add mitch hanniger sean Manaya, ross stripling and michael conforto so I think the offseason for them was was a roller coaster because they did potentially have Carlos Korea to add that lineup. And then through the physical, that ended up um, falling apart. And there were there were hints and rumors that Aaron Judge might actually sign with, with the Giants, but that obviously didn't end up end up happening. He went back to the Yankees. So uh, a roller coaster of an offseason, but a giants are kind of in one of those teams that are kind of, you know, on the fence, a 500 team. I think that's pretty fair for last year for, I think what that roster was, but kind of looking into the 2023 season, what do you got for them? One reason for hope and one reason for concern.
0: Uh, one reason for hope for me is, is th- they have a deep roster. And I think that that might be enough to be a solid team that, that, yeah, that does okay. Um, I just hope that this roster is a hell of a lot better than I am for my wife as a husband mm-hmm. They're painfully mid, <laughs> <laughs> right? They're just, they're just. That's it. Like it, they're deep, and that's fantastic. But they're all. Uh, there's no. Uh, there's no excitement. There's no fun. It's so mid, and I just think that that's just going to be enough to be a five hundred team. Uh, and I guess the upside. I mean, I guess I guess, and the downside. I guess the the I guess the reason for hope is that you are going to have a 500 season, and I mean, you could you could have some you, you could have some hot bats. I just I, there's not much hope when I say when, when I look at this team for hope, I look at this team for making the playoffs. I just I, I don't that's not happening. Sorry, <laughs> and the reason to not have hope is the exact same reason you're mid. <laughs> there's you're going nowhere. You're just you're just you're just there. <laughs> Yeah, I I, w- I would tend to agree. I think the Giants are kind of
3: one of those teams again that, you know, I think could potentially make a run and maybe they'll be pretty good, but they all could also not be that good. I don't really know what to think about the Giants. Um, they didn't really, you know, had they added a Carlos Correa or or Aaron Judge, it'd be completely different. Um, but I, I don't think that lineup is all that great. The starting rotation is like, as you said, pretty mid. It's it, it's decent. They got two really good guys, and after that, it's kind of eh. So, and again, in, in, a, in a division where you, where you got the Dodgers and Padres, it's just really hard to see themselves, you know, doing all that well in 2023, but we'll see what happens. As you said, we got to play 162 games and who knows what will happen up, by the end of it. So let's wrap it up with our uh, final division, our division project projections for this year. We'll go one through five like we did. We'll go around the horn in the opposite direction. Trade in. what do
0: you got for the NL West? For the first time since I remember, the NL West will be led by the San Diego Padres. Followed by the Los Angeles Dodgers, followed by the number three Arizona Diamondbacks, All right. followed by the San Francisco Giants, the very mid-San Francisco Giants, and the horrible Colorado Rockies.
2: All right, James, what do you got? Padres, Doyers, Diamondbacks, Gigantes, and Rockies. All righty. Couldn't come up with a with a Hispanic word for the Rockies. I guess I was going to say
3: mountain, <laughs> mountain, <laughs> mountain. Uh, Alex, what do you got?
1: I'm picking the Dodgers to win the division. I physically can't pick anyone else to do it. It's just part of the part of the deal. Um, I'm going to go Padres number two, um, and then I'm going to go Giants number three, Diamondbacks number four. I really thought about switching them until James mentioned the Diamondbacks rotation and it did not give me any, any excitement. (laughs) Uh, And then, yeah, the Rockies are going to finish last. All righty. Just like I did
3: with the AOS, I'm pretty much picking the exact same division standings for the NOS too. Like I said, I'm Dodgers diehard Dodgers. So Dodgers are going to win the division. It's going to be fun to watch the Padres. Um, And then, so obviously Padres 2 I'm going to go giants three D backs four and uh, Rockies five. So uh, that'll wrap it up for this week's edition of MLB previews. Um, let us know what your predictions are. Who's going to win the divisions next week. We'll be shifting over to the uh, NL and AL central divisions. Uh, so let's, we'll, we'll look forward to that one. Uh, great, great job guys. Uh, and we'll look forward to more previews as we uh, inch closer and
2: closer to opening day. Actually, hold up before we move on, Alex, like we do every year, this is pretty much an, an annual mm. thing at this point. Yeah, I Padres, it Dodgers. I <laughs> bet. Yeah. All right, I say Dodgers or Padres are in first. You say Dodgers are in first. Fifty dollars, sound good? Deal. All right, we're in. There we go. Fifty,
0: <laughs> 50 bucks. Um, that, yeah, we got to make sure we do that uh, annually. That that's always fun to watch. Um, thank you very much, Tyler. That was uh, it's fun. It's fun to talk about uh, baseball again. We're we're at that time again. Um, we are what uh six weeks away from maybe it's even longer than five that. weeks, five weeks. Okay. Yeah. Five, six weeks away from, uh, weeks. from, uh, opening day in the MLB. And, and, um, James and I are going to be at opening the home opener for the angels this year. Um, I have quite a lineup of, of, of sports, uh, sports that week. Uh, so that, that, that's just part of it and I'm excited for it. Um, also really quick. I want to, uh, I want to extend my congratulations and good luck to the Pomona Pitzer men's basketball team. Kylie is going to be traveling with them to Connecticut to play in the playoffs. Um, I don't know how they got bid into the playoffs. They lost this past weekend, but college for you. Um, So I, I just want to extend my, uh, my good luck and my congratulations. I, I don't know if any of you listen to the podcast, but maybe Kylie will tell you to listen to the podcast now. So (laughs) (laughs) here's the hope in that and Kylie have fun on your trip. Um, That's all we have this week. Um, It is, it is ramping up. We have, um, you know, we have baseball coming up. We have the, we have the NBA, uh, going crazy james i the nfl's like we're kind of in that limbo period so we're just kind of eh. in the nhl uh trade deadline is this week and if you guys have any time and i know it's a little bit, gonna be a little bit late if you guys want to rewatch this edmonton boston game it is one of the best hockey games i've seen this season it is so fast so great and i was i thought that the oilers would absolutely get trampled today and it doesn't seem that way yet uh so i uh, highly recommend that um but that's all we have this week. Um, I don't know who's going to be in my spot. Um, you know, you know, next week, but, uh, you know, we're going to, we're going to bring another great episode. We're going to bring all, all the stuff going on in all of our sports. Um, we hope you have a great week and have some fun.